Didi, the Chinese ride-sharing app that did its IPO on the New York Stock Exchange last week, saw its shares drop by 30% this week. The reason? Chinese regulators enforced a ban on new downloads of the Didi app on concerns that data about Chinese consumers could be leaked to the U.S. It's the same reason that U.S. regulators gave for stopping TikTok last year. But trade has been at the heart of a relatively peaceful China and U.S. relationship. For the past five decades, it's been trade for good. In this edition of Commerce Code, trade for good. What is the future of commerce with a conscience? I'm Silvio Tavares here in San Francisco on July 9th. This is Commerce Code, brought to you by DCA, the Digital Commerce Alliance. It's great to be with you. I believe that trade and commerce are two of the most civilizing forces on planet Earth. If you think about it, trade is the main reason that the U.S. is still friends with Germany, despite being enemies during World War II. Commerce is the main reason that the U.S. and Japan are still allies despite a disastrous enmity in the middle of the last century. So the same could be said of the U.S. and China relationship, our intro notwithstanding. Because of their self-interest, great nations trade and engage with one another. That self-interest in trade promotes a common good. For example, Americans buy fast luxury German cars like Porsche and Mercedes, and in return, Germans get capital and investment from the U.S., Adam Smith, the father of modern economics, had an expression for how commerce enables nations to get along and how trade empowers self-interested corporations to actually help society rather than hurt it. He called this unexpected phenomenon the invisible hand. But in a post-pandemic world, we call this trade for good. Today on the show, we explore how in the first six months of 2021, companies are increasingly focused on how they can harness the power of commerce to make the world a better place. How companies involved in digital commerce are promoting trade for good. Joining me on the show today is the Commerce Code podcast producer, Rebecca Donahue. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, Silvio. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and I'm excited to share all the insights that we're seeing on how companies are engaging in trade for good. I am too, Silvio. But before we dive into the key trends we're seeing in the trade for good movement, I want to get your thoughts on the U.S.-China trade relationship. It's important because the U.S. and China are the two largest economies in the world, and they're both vying for leadership in technology and digital commerce. So do you think that their trade relationship is going in a good direction? Well, uh, we're definitely starting with the most difficult question first. I think it's clear that the U.S. and China took a big step back in the last four years under the last administration. We're basically in a trade war. And in many respects, that trade war has continued under the Biden administration, including with China stopping or disrupting the IPOs of two of the most successful companies in China, Alipay and Financial and Didi, as those companies attempted to go public on U.S. stock exchanges. 
But I would categorize these recent developments as a temporary setback, not an existential crisis. The U.S. and China are renegotiating their relationship. They're not getting a divorce. So the fact is that as the two largest economies in the world, as you mentioned, trade binds these countries together in a way that politics really can't break. So, for example, China is still the largest investor in U.S. government securities. The U.S. is still the single country that buys more Chinese goods and services than any other country. And so that's not going to change anytime soon. That fact, the fact that trade binds us together is a principle that more and more companies are also recognizing and explicitly incorporating into their everyday business practices. Absolutely. What are some of the ways that you're seeing digital commerce companies incorporate trade for good and promoting commerce with a conscience? Well, I think there are really three key developments so far this year in the trade for good movement. First has to be the dramatic increase in women and people of color on boards of directors. Second, the big push by large corporations to reduce wealth inequality. And third, I would say, is the trend for big profitable companies to actually act like nonprofits in their objective to address the negative impacts of COVID-19. Those are definitely big moves. And we've covered some of these trends with companies, including Bank of America, Discover, Lyft, and others on this podcast. But it appears that these trends are becoming much more significant and mainstream as we advance past mid-year. I would definitely agree, Rebecca, especially around that first trend of big tech companies diversifying their boards of directors. We've had Hydric and Struggles, the big international executive search firm on before, but they just published a new report showing that approximately 50% of growth stage fintech companies now have at least one woman on their board of directors. And in another report, they noted that 61% of their boards of director placements last year were diverse candidates. So, you know, this lack of diversity on boards of major companies and especially tech companies, that's been a stubborn problem for decades. And the last 12 months have really proven that with focus, change can happen. And I'm I'm particularly pleased that a number of the current and former digital commerce line companies, they've been singled out as companies that have among the most diverse boards in tech. These include Microsoft, Groupon, Facebook. That is really trade for good in action. I want to switch gears here. Wealth inequality has also been a key issue where corporations, especially commerce companies, have attempted to use their unique digital assets to make a change. That is so true, Rebecca. I um, I think we've had a number of shows on this topic where we've showcased companies like Bumped and Bits of Stock that enable the average Joe to become a stock owner and build wealth. But the really big news here is that some of the largest companies in America are now stepping up to use their massive balance sheets in very substantive ways to move the needle on wealth inequality. So for example, Bank of America, which is a DCA member company, they announced just this May the expansion of their national affordable home ownership mortgage program with a goal of providing 15 billion with a B in mortgages to low to moderate income home buyers through May 2027. And Bank of America, to their credit, was very open and vocal about its goal for the program. And I'm quoting here from their press release to build wealth for those historically locked out of affordable home ownership, thus reducing the racial disparity gap. 
And that's something very different than what we've ever seen before. I mean, this is one of the biggest and most profitable banks in the country, publicly using $15 billion to tackle wealth inequality. But other companies are also stepping up to tackle even more short-term social problems like the damage caused by the pandemic. Yeah, and I, I would say this is actually even more than a trend. Basically, every company feels obligated in some way to take a stand and let its customers, let its employees, let its shareholders know that they are helping out on COVID-19 relief. And I think, interestingly, the COVID relief is coming in some really surprising ways. So, for example, most of us would not think that a luxury brand company like Louis Vuitton would have concrete ways of helping during COVID-19. They're a DCA member company, but in fact, they do have concrete ways of helping out during COVID-19. The brand's workshops around the world, they converted themselves to produce protective wear, such as gowns and masks. And some of those were donated and distributed to the U.S. states most heavily impacted by COVID-19. On a related front, the brand's parent company, LVMH, said it would use perfume production lines to make hand sanitizer that could fill sanitary gel shortages. Can you imagine that? Using perfume and instead making hand sanitizer. So you can definitely call this luxury for good. Definitely. And these are some pretty amazing developments in Trade for Good, and it is all happening at a very accelerated pace. Yes, very much so. Trade for Good is something that is definitely here with us to stay. And I think in many respects, Adam Smith would be so happy. And what's great is that we're going to continue to cover the trends at our upcoming conferences, webinars, on this podcast, and news channels on social media. That's right, Rebecca. With three divisions called the Cardlinks Forum, Mobile Wallet Forum, and Financial Data Forum, the Digital Commerce Alliance is providing a whole host of new ways for leading companies to engage, learn, and collaborate around these trends. To check it out, visit digcomall.org. That's www.digcomall.org. For the Digital Commerce Alliance, take care of yourself, take care of each other. God bless you. This is Silvio Tavares signing off.